Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. So my husband was supposed to preach tonight, and... Um... He was a little under the weather the last couple of days, and so yesterday around 3 p.m., he was like, I don't think I can preach tomorrow. Can you preach? So I had a whole like half a day to prepare uh, to bring the word to you tonight, Um, but it is my honor to bring the word, and um, I'll say to you like I said, okay, so how many of y'all were here for Bob Sorge last Sunday? Absolutely amazing. Man, he, he taught at our at Dwell School of Ministry. DSM students, if you're in the room, give us a shout. Oh my goodness. Bob taught Monday night at DSM and my goodness, we were, um, I don't think we'll ever be the same. It was, it was really um, just a life-changing time. So I'll say to you, like I said to the students, I told the students when we were done, I was like, sorry guys, next week you just get, you know, me and Pastor David and Pastor Tanner, like no, no more Bob for a while. Um, so tonight you get me and um, bring in the word. We have been up until um, a couple of weeks ago, we were in a series, well, not really an official series, but the Lord just really put on our hearts to to speak about spiritual warfare, how to fight this good fight of faith. And, um, and you know, experience with the Lord is amazing. We have been changed in the presence of the Lord by encounters with the Lord. But um, how many know that this word is, um, is the best way to fight the enemy, right? Um, even the son of God, Jesus uh, fought uh, the enemy in the desert when he was uh, being tempted by Satan in the desert. Um, he used the, the scripture to defeat him. And so, um, but it's been an amazing uh, few weeks teaching on that, but we are kind of turning a little bit of a corner uh, here. And Pastor David was gonna dive into, we are diving into um, speaking about building, um, building the house of God and building our individual house for God. Um, and so I get to kind of just kick that off tonight, I guess. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Um, so builders, builders, builders. How many builders do I have in the room? Maybe you'll, you'll, there'll be a better response at the end of the message. Um, But here are the two questions. What are you building your life on? And what are you building your life with? When the storms come, when attacks come, we were just kind of talking about how to fight uh, this good fight of faith. When pruning comes, I loved how Tanner um, talked about the difference between spiritual attacks and pruning. Um, And and oftentimes, you know, we're in the middle of it. We're like, is this an attack from the enemy? Is this, um, is this God, you know, uh, doing something in me? And uh, I would say, as our friend Tommy Tenney said, 
for years. God is an extreme opportunist. And did you know that he can take anything, any trial, any situation and use it um, as Romans eight twenty eight says, all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called, in, uh, call, called according to his purpose. So whether it's a spiritual attack or whether it's God is, is, is um, pruning your life, um, he, he uses it all. And um, that is the beauty of building with Jesus, right? Um, but the older I get, the more I realize that longevity is where it's at. Longevity is where it's at. It's not about how high you can jump, <laughs> how good you look, how quickly you um, climb you know, the ladder, whatever that looks like for you in your sphere of influence and, and career and all of that. Um, but it is, it is um, staying in the game for the long haul, the long game. Longevity is where it's at. So our desire as your pastors is to help you build your faith, your life, your marriage, your family on the rock, Christ Jesus. I um, Many times I've been asked, you know, do, do you ever get that question? Like, what is your life verse? What is the scripture verse? Like your life verse. And for years I was asked that question and, um, and I was like, I love all of them. I don't know. I don't think I really have like one life verse. Um, and I would say the last five years have been, David and I have just personally walked through some of the most um, tumultuous times personally, um, not in our marriage necessarily, but, but with family circumstances, with financial circumstances, with, with health situations. Um, it, and and so this has become my life verse. I discovered this a few years ago and um, they're gonna put it up on the screen. This is Colossians chapter two. It's actually two verses. So I have two life verses, okay? Six through eight. Um, this is the New Living Translation. I love how the NLT says it. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So the title of my message tonight as we launch this Builders series is Built to Last. Built to last. Somebody say, built to last. Yes. Say, I'm built to last. Yes. You know, there's nothing glamorous about being faithful day in and day out um, until you, you live a few decades and you, you can look back and, and you are living in the beautiful fruit that has come from what you've been planting for years. Just the steadfast, faithful, showing up, being faithful to the Lord, being faithful to his church, being faithful to your spouse, being faithful to your family, being faithful to your job. Um, there's nothing glamorous or, you know, um, super exciting about that in the moment as we're doing it, as we're walking it out. But the beauty of it is the fruit that it produces. 
And um, so we're going to look at really two passages of scripture tonight as we talk about being built to last. Um, The first one, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 7. We sang this song tonight intentionally. I kind of added this song this morning. We sang from foundation, taken straight from Matthew 7. Verses 24 through 29. And this is, this is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And um, I'm going to read it from my Bible. Let's bring back Bibles, like paper Bibles. Let's bring them back. How about it? Um, so Jesus, this is, this is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And um, if you were around when we, when we launched our, um, when we were doing our Red Letter series, we were talk, talking all about the teachings of Jesus. And we taught on the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount was the Beatitudes. And we went through a lot of um, what Jesus taught in that famous sermon. Um, and, but he wraps it up with this. starting at uh, verse 24, Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Verse 28 says, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. So as we read this parable of the builder, we see that it's really Jesus is saying He tells us how to build our life upon the rock. So it's really not just enough to say, I confess Jesus, I'm saved, um, and then do nothing that he teaches us in his word. That's, That's not building your life on the rock. Jesus says here, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. So, How do we build our life upon the rock King Jesus? First, we must choose him, not just as savior, as we said just a few moments ago, but as Lord. Jesus, you have lordship in my life. I'm not just a hearer of your word. I'm not just someone who confesses you, but I actually live by what you say. None of us do it perfectly, but we are all in this process of sanctification. We are all um, on our journey with the Lord. And, and our goal, the goal of the Christian life 
is to bring him glory, is to look like him, is to be a disciple, is to follow him wherever he goes. And sometimes that's a little uncomfortable, but that is the life of following Jesus. So we must put into practice the teachings of Jesus. Um, as I was studying this last night, I uh, read some commentary about like, what is the storm that Jesus is referring to? He's talking about, you know, the rain, the floods, the winds. Um, and I think oftentimes we think of this as just everyday storms in our life, but actually theologians have a couple different interpretations of what the storm is that Jesus is referring to. Um, and, and one of those is that this is, Jesus is referring to a severe trial, not just the day in and day out of, you know, the, the troubles of living, but a, a severe trial, um, a trial that has the potential to take you out. It might be a, a, a health diagnosis. It could be um, a loved one passing away, losing a child. It could be a divorce, finding out that your spouse is living a secret life. It could be, it's, it's something major, a severe trial that has the potential for you to, to lose all faith and to walk away from Jesus. Um, the other perspective, and so, and it's really, it is that, it is the severe trial, that's the storm that Jesus is referring to, but it, it's also um, uh and eschatological, it's also eschatological in nature, meaning it's referring to the end of all things. Just like how many know the parable of, uh, that Jesus uh, taught about the 10 virgins? There were five wise who had oil in their lamps and five foolish who had no oil. And when, and when the bridegroom came, the ones that didn't have oil in the lamps uh, were not ready. And so this is the same, uh, of the same nature that, um, that Jesus is saying, uh, when we meet Jesus face to face, when, when, when things shake out in the end of all things, will he find that I have built my life on him? Okay, we're gonna look at another passage of scripture. Y'all ready? Y'all there? Somebody say built to last. Okay, making sure you're still here. First Corinthians chapter three. This is the apostle Paul teaching the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter three. I'm first gonna read it in the ESV and then in the message because you know how the message be doing us sometimes. It's really, it's so good. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter three, starting at verse 10. This is the Apostle Paul. He's talking about um, the... Uh, the, uh, the apostles that are building the church. He's, so he, he, there are divisions in the Corinthian church and he's saying, some say I follow Apollo, some Paul, some Peter, uh, but he's saying some plant, some water. We're all building on the foundation of Jesus, okay? So that's kind of the context of where we are. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 10, let's go. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day, capital D, day, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know? Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. What are you building with? Okay, let's read it in the message. Y'all ready? Okay, we got it on the screen. Oh, it's a lot of words on the screen. Okay. Or to put it another way, you are God's house. Using the gift God gave me as a good architect, I designed blueprints. Apollos is putting up the walls. Let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. Remember, there is only one foundation. Next slide. The one already laid, Jesus Christ. Take particular care in picking out your building materials. I'm gonna say that again. Take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually, there is going to be an inspection. If you use cheap or inferior materials, you'll be found out. The inspection, in case you're wondering, will be thorough and rigorous. You won't get by with a thing. Yikes. If your work passes inspection, fine. If it doesn't, your part of the building will be torn out and started over. But you won't be torn out. You'll survive, but just barely. You realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God and God himself is present in you. No one will get by with vandalizing God's temple. You can be sure of that. God's temple is sacred. And you remember, you are the temple. Somebody say there's going to be an inspection. So we're going to talk about these materials um, for a few moments that that Paul described here. And as I was... um, doing some research in my half day of preparation. (laughs) Um, I found some really great commentary on this. And um, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna read this, okay? Y'all ready? Put your little thinking caps on. We're gonna go back in time a little bit. A little history lesson. If you are ever fortunate to visit the city of Rome, which it's on my list. It's on our list. We haven't been, but you will be amazed to see how much of that ancient city has survived the past 2,000 years. 
Right in the heart of Italy's modern capital, you can almost take a peek into ancient Rome as you gaze upon ruins from the time of the Roman Empire, such as the Colosseum, Pantheon, Roman Forum, and so much more. The reason so much of ancient Rome can still be seen today is that most of its buildings were constructed of stone. Romans wanted their greatness to be etched into human history forever. Therefore, when they built the city, they constructed buildings designed to declare the Caesar's glory for millennia. Government buildings, palaces, streets, monuments, columns, and statues, all of these were intended to tell future generations how great the Romans were. Built to last. However, not all of Rome was made of stone, gold, silver, and precious stones. There was another side of Rome where the flimsy, poorly made wooden dwellings of the poor were located. Because wealthy Romans didn't like to do manual labor, they imported foreigners from across the great Roman empire and forced them into slavery. As a result of this massive importation of slaves, each year the slave population grew larger and larger until it became the largest sector of Rome. Some estimate that the slave population outnumbered the free population of the city by three to one. The city of Rome had become a city of slaves who lived to serve the needs, whims, and desires of their masters. As large as this slave sector was, the ancient dwellings of the slaves did not survive the past 2,000 years. Over the centuries, the weather, decay, and fire that ravaged Rome also ravaged those flimsy wooden structures. The homes of the slaves who had no personal funds and were, were generally poorly treated by the rich Romans were constructed quickly and cheaply using, you guessed it, wood, hay, and stubble as building materials. That's why almost nothing remains of these shabby dwellings today. They could not pass the test of time and were never intended to survive like the massive stone structures that tell about the greatness of the Romans. Because the Apostle Paul traveled throughout the Roman Empire, he witnessed the disparity between the rich and the poor. He'd gaze upon the massive stone structures of the rich. Then right next to those impressive buildings, he'd see the flimsy homes where slaves were forced to live. One type of structure was built to last forever, but the other type was so rickety that it wouldn't even last one lifetime. As Paul wrote to the Corinthians and urged them to be careful about how they lived and built their lives, he used this comparison as an illustration. His point was this, although all believers have the solid rock of Jesus Christ under their lives, what they build on top of that foundation is very important. Somebody say built to last. 
So let's look at the building materials Paul listed in this verse. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? We're going to look at the building materials. Here we go. First, he mentioned gold. This word gold is the Greek word. Oh, I did my homework. I listened to how to pronounce these Greek words. I'm still probably going to, you know. Anyone speak Greek in the room? Okay. I think we're safe. All right. This word gold is the Greek word krusos, which means gold and describes the most valuable material that existed in the Roman Empire. Nothing was more expensive or costly than gold, and it was extremely rare, especially before the time of Alexander the Great. I told you all we were going to history class. Okay, before the time of Alexander the Great, gold was extremely rare, and so it was highly prized. Gold wasn't strong enough to be an actual building material, but if a building was extremely important, gold was used on the outside of buildings and in the decor of its interiors. When gold was used either on the exterior or inside decor of a building, it indicated that this building was a structure of great significance. Okay, the word silver. Y'all ready to find out what the word silver is in the Greek? Okay, here we go. I'm gonna say it. Wait, I have to practice it in my head first. Arguros. Arguros. Okay, that's the word for silver in the Greek. And it often referred to silver money because silver was the primary metal used for coins. However, silver was also used inside special buildings for ornamentation and decoration, similar to the way gold was used. And items for worship or prestige were often fashioned of silver. Anything in the ancient world that was made of silver was considered expensive and precious. Okay, now we're going to look at this third building material that Paul called precious stones. Say precious stones. Okay, now do y'all want to try some Greek? You can say this word with me. The phrase precious stones is the Greek word For stone, here we go, it's lithos, lithos, yes, and the word timao, I took five years of Spanish, so like if I hear, like as I'm listening to the audible word, if if it kind of sounds like they're pronouncing the vowels like anything in Spanish, I'm like, oh, okay, I think, but but that's usually, it's not the case, because it's Greek, it's not Spanish, Um, okay. Um, but Timao was kind of like that. I'm like, oh, it's kind of spelled that way. And that's kind of how Spanish. Okay. Anyway, it's a Greek word meaning honorable, costly, or precious. When Paul mentioned precious stones, he was not alluding to diamonds, rubies, emeralds, sapphires, or other gemstones. I always thought that that's what Paul was saying. Anybody else? Okay. Paul was referring to expensive building materials such as marble or granite. These materials were considered top-of-the-line building materials because they could endure weather, fire, and time. Any building made to last was fashioned of marble or granite. Gold, silver, and precious stones were the most expensive and the highest quality materials used in the construction of a building in Paul's day. These were durable, 
long-lasting, and resilient. I'm gonna say that again and just let it soak in as you're thinking about how you're building your life, what you're using. These materials were durable, long-lasting, and resilient. And that's why buildings made of these materials are still standing today. But Paul goes on to describe another category of building materials, wood, hay, and stubble, right? Let's look at these words for a moment to see why he mentioned them in this verse, because Paul was making a pretty dramatic comparison. Okay, y'all ready for some more Greek? Okay. First, the word wood is the Greek word zoulos. Say it with me, zoulos. And it means wood, wooden timbers, branches of a tree, boards, or anything made of wood. It primarily denoted building materials. However, this word was also frequently used to depict fuel for fire. This word zoulos describes a building composed of cheap, temporary, perishable, burnable materials. You can quickly build such a building with wood. But a house of wood is never built to last for the ages. This was the primary material used in construction of these slave dwellings in Rome. These wooden houses were homes that could go up in smoke very easily. Okay, the next one, wood, hay, and stubbles. Paul mentioned um, hay, which was another material used in the construction of these slave dwellings. The word hay is the word hortas. Hortas, and it means grass or hay. This hay should never have been used as a construction material because it was meant to be the food that was fed to animals. In fact, it was often used to mean fodder. In other words, this hay was meant to be eaten, not used for construction. Because of its fragile nature, hay was considered to be the poorest material to use in construction. Yet in the slave homes of Rome, it was commonly used for the roof. Third, Paul mentioned stubble, and this is the Greek word kalame, kalame, <laughs> kalame. <laughs> Not, which simply means straw or stubble. This material was so inferior that animals wouldn't even eat it. Yet in the homes of slaves, it was used as a floor covering, as insulation, and as stuffing for beds. It was cheap, disposable, and replaceable. So we can see that one type of building was built to last forever and the other was so poorly made, so rickety, I like that word, rickety, that it wouldn't even last a lifetime. So by using this illustration, Paul was confronting us with these questions. Are you building your life hastily and cheaply for today? Are you using materials that will stand the test of time? 
And are you building your life with eternity in mind? How am I building my life? How am I building my relationships? How am I building my career? How am I building my business? How am I building my marriage? How am I building my family? And on the great day, capital D-A-Y, when I stand before the Lord and give an account for my life, I want him to be able to look at me and see that, that I built a life with him that could last for all of eternity, that I built um, a life that impacted not just my generation, but generations to come. I built a life that showed the faithfulness of Jesus. I built a life that when the storms came, when, when the floods came, that my roots were so deep in him. I had built my life with resilient materials. And that when those storms came, I stood strong, not in my own strength, (laughs) but in him. Y'all get a short-winded preacher tonight. Why don't you, band, come on back up. I want to build a life that when people, not, not just because people look at me because we're pastors or because we are, you know, uh, worship leaders and artists and and have some kind of a platform. But I want to build a life that my kids can see, that my grandkids can see, that the generation that I'm impacting all around me, that the people that I work with can go, man, look at, look at, look at her life. Look at his life. I want to know this God. I want to build my life on gold, silver, and precious stones. Eventually, there is going to be an inspection if you use cheap or inferior materials. You'll be found out. The inspection will be thorough and rigorous. So are we built to last? Is Jesus not just the one who rescued me from my sin, but have I made him the Lord of my life? Is he the king of my heart? Am I a doer of his word and not just a hearer? Am I even in his word? You know, you can't be a doer if you're just hearing what your pastor's preaching on Sunday. If you're not in this word to even know, what is he teaching? Jesus said, as we look back at the parable, 
I'm going back to the parable. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So Jesus, this is how we want to build our lives. We want our roots to be so deep in you that when the storm comes and everything is shaken, that can be shaken, that our house will hold up, our house will stand the test of time. And when we see the Lord face to face one day and we give an account, when the fire that, that Paul talks about that burns up anything that can be burned, that, that our lives of gold, silver, and precious stones will withstand the fiery trials that we face in this life, but in the life to come, that, that we are faithful to him. We're faithful to his word. And we build lives to last. Let's say it again. I'm built to last. My family's built to last. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.